<laughs> how's it going? I saw you yesterday, but how's it going since then? It's it's been good. It's been really good. I uh, got new glasses. Warby. Yep. We love Warby Parker. That's where yours are from. Yeah. Nice. We both have clear glasses now. It's yes. a thing. <laughs> it's it's a thing. Cool girl glasses. So, oh my God, after we got coffee yesterday, I am dead. I know. <laughs> we, I know. I saw Melinda from Tuata Handle at Aritzia. And I, I know you haven't seen the show, but she was my favorite character, character, whatever. My favorite person, person. on the show. And she's just so funny. And I walked into Aritzia and like, I don't even... I don't even know what happened. How did I see her? I know. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I'm, I'm salty that I left. I, we went to Madewell and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to go home. Like I'm tired. I don't need to spend money. And then of course you run into like a fucking celebrity. Like two minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just walked in the store and I was like in the front area, just looking at stuff. And there was this girl who was kind of loud as she was in the show talking to like someone who worked at Aritzia and they were just walking through the front area near me. And I walked past her and I said, excuse me. And I looked at her. I was like, Oh my God, she looks so familiar. (laughs) She wasn't wearing a mask. And part of me kind of feels like she wanted people to recognize her, which I mean, why not? Like you're just walking around Soho on a Saturday afternoon. I know her story was like all these people that like recognized her. And so I thought it was funny. Yeah. Like, so she wasn't wearing a mask. Like she's so recognizable. I was still walking through the store and then on my way out, she was still standing in the front and we kind of locked eyes. And she was like, are you going to say something now? Like you recognize me. Like I could see that in her eyes. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I loved you in the show. You were my favorite person on the whole season, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like she was just so nice. And I, we were standing right next to a mirror. So I was like, can we just take a mirror selfie? <laughs> and she was like, sure. Oh my God. She was so down. Yeah. It was funny. She's gorgeous. Oh my God. She is so pretty. Honestly, every episode I watched, like I was saying to Joe, I need a makeup tutorial. Like she, I know. her I know. makeup, I, I don't know what she does, but she looks She just amazing. put a tutorial on YouTube. Did she? Oh wait. Yeah. I did yeah. see her story. I need to go watch it. Same. Her, it's literally flawless. Her makeup. Is. It's flawless. Like I just need to know what products she uses because I, I need them. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. I know it was fun, but I didn't end up buying anything. It was an unsuccessful shopping trip. Otherwise, I've only been there a couple times. Some things look cute, but I don't know. I just don't feel like a lot of their clothes are for like curvier women. Like they seem kind of small. Like I know a lot of them are stretchy, like, like you were yeah. saying about skims, like very oh stretchy, but I love skims. Oh, no, I need to pull the trigger. I still haven't gotten anything from them at all. I browse the website too. Like I'm literally so annoying. I browse the website. I see things I want and I'm just like, Ooh, I don't know. I know I do the same thing. I need to just like buy something. So I stop browsing because it's just such a waste of my time. Just yeah. scrolling through sites for no reason. Well, let's get into our recs. Well, actually, first we can introduce what the episode is. So this episode is very exciting because we have our very first guest on the Cool Girls Only podcast. (laughs) 
so excited. It was so fun. Um, we had Meg on, which is Jordan's really good friend. Do you want to give a little intro of Meg? Yeah. So like Maddie said, Meg is a good friend of mine. I went to college with her at Michigan State University. She now lives in Austin, Texas, where she works for a cloud software advisory consulting firm. Big deal. And has been on the work from home grind ever since. So she really tied into this episode well. I think we had a great conversation. I always like throughout my time in college, Meg was just this person that you could have such great, like deep talks with. I'm really excited. I loved having her on and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Yes. I'm excited for you guys to hear it so we can get into RX. And I didn't mention it, but you obviously know, since you clicked on the episode that this is all about burnout, stress at work and how to manage that. So my rec is the concept of deep work. I know deep work is a book by Cal Newport. I have not read it, but I do (laughs) thoroughly understand the concept and try to apply it to my life. I'll be linking an article that summarizes deep work and it really highlights the most important things from the book. So you don't actually have to read it. Basically, the idea is really just getting rid of distractions and focusing on one thing and like not multitasking, not getting distracted by your phone, social media, and just really going all in on one thing. I really find that getting rid of distractions and focusing on one thing so that you kind of get into like a flow state where you just kind of lose track of time. Like that's the state that you are the most productive Mm -hmm. in. I just find I'm so productive and like, it's hard to do because when it comes to work, there's so many distractions. There's, there's so many meetings, there's emails, there's so many things that can, yes, exactly. That can kind of draw you out of that flow state but I do find that it's super helpful. So if you're having trouble, like juggling all of your tasks at work, or if you're just feeling really overwhelmed, I would really try and incorporate this into your life. Yes. I fully, fully agree. I'm, you and I are big on this. I'm the same way. Like from the beginning at work, I would mute my Slack and I would exit out of my email to get a task done. And I would literally set my status on Slack like need a power hour. Like I need one hour of deep work. Don't message me. I'm not going to respond to you. I have something I need to put my full attention in. And your ask is not that important right now. (laughs) Do not disturb. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So my rec is actually a Ted talk. Um, those who know me know I love a good Ted talk. Like I could go down a Ted talk wormhole and just listen to them for hours. I just love it. Same. But yes, this TED talk is actually by need ER doctor. Her name's Daria Long. She's actually kind of like an influencer-esque person in the community. And her TED talk is about learning how to triage. So she talks about how a lot of us feel like we're so crazy busy and we're so overwhelmed and stressed and we have so much to do at work. But in reality, like she is an ER doctor and she doesn't feel that way. So she kind of like, I don't know turns the table on you, if you will, and says like, I'm clearly in the most stressful job that like you could be in. And I'm not crazy busy. I never identify my like self as this. So she talks about how to triage and how to make sure that you're actually understanding what is high priority, medium, low, whatever can do another day. Because if you can't triage, then everything is crazy busy and everything is stressful. So that honestly helped me a lot when I was kind of getting to that burnout phase at work was figuring out how to kind of 
triage my tasks. No, that's a good idea. I need that TED talk in my life. So I will definitely be watching. (laughs) Thank you for recommending all the best TED talks. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, those are our recs. As usual, everything is linked in the newsletter. So make sure you're subscribed at coolgirlnews.com. We will get into today's episode on work-life stress and burnout. podcast. I'm Maddie. And I'm Jordan. And today we have our first ever guest on the podcast. Welcome, Megan. Welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invite. It is literally an <laughs> honor ever to be your first guest. I appreciate it. Yay. I'm so, so happy so you're excited. Here. Megan, tell us a little bit about yourself. We know. So you just got engaged. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. It has definitely been a whirlwind. Um, yeah. <laughs> that would be an interesting topic to explore maybe in a future episode, but like I had no idea what to expect after getting engaged. And weirdly, everyone around you has expectations about the logical next steps. And I was like, whoa, 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 like what's an engagement right. party? <laughs> Just all of these oh, things. Oh, yeah. It's been really fun, a fun like time of life. That does sound fun. I feel like I know nothing either. Like, I don't know anything. Like, I feel like as soon as you get engaged, people are like, when's the wedding? <laughs> like, um, and I'm like, a wedding? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this engagement was kind of a surprise. Like, you're, right. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but wow, it's been really fun. Thankfully, our families are like super supportive. Um, well, it's, <laughs> it's a fitting topic that we're talking about, uh, like just work-life balance and burnout because balancing planning a wedding and just like this season of life with a very demanding job has been a lot to handle <laughs> so this season of life. You, uh, yeah. dive into that <laughs> yeah no I'm definitely sure that it's a lot um why don't you tell us a little bit about like where you live what you do and then we can get into a little bit about like work yeah so my name is Megan again thank you for having me on the podcast um, I'm currently in Austin, Texas. I've lived here for two years now. Um, actually just put a deposit on a new build in South Austin. So really excited. It's been a big weekend. Um, I originally grew up in the Metro Detroit area, like born and raised in Michigan, went to Michigan State, and that's where I met Miss Jordan over here. Uh, <laughs> uh, we were roommates in college. That was one of the most fun years of my life, like genuinely. Um, they're such a good girl gang. And yeah, got a bachelor's degree in engineering and had a job lined up at General Motors after school. So I was like, we're all set. (laughs) Senior year was going to be a breeze. Um, And then Brant was actually graduating a semester early. And so he is kind of the free spirit of us both. I'm like the heavy Capricorn (laughs) of the couple. So he was like, let's just look around anywhere. Like this, what a great time to just go somewhere new after school, maybe. So He got a job at Oracle in Austin, Texas, and we kind of made the tough decision to move out here and start basically new, um, which I'm sure you two are kind of familiar with, like the jump to New York. That is Mm -hmm. some scary shit, Um, but we did it together. He came early and I kind of followed him after my like last semester at MSC, which is really nice because 
yeah, for our whole relationship, we've had like two different um, like identities, I guess. And like we got to, I don't know, I feel like I really closed that chapter. But yeah, now that we're in this new chapter together, um, I work for a tech consulting firm called Spalding Ridge. And so we implement like connected cloud technology for our clients and do just like digital transformation. So it's a lot of project work, um, like obviously very focused on my client and like the results of our efforts every day. So it can be very demanding, but also a fun challenge. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, no, that sounds like a great first job. And Austin, I've heard is so fun. So that's awesome that you were able to like experience something new. Have you, would you say like in your job, like, have you experienced burnout? Yeah, I was thinking about it kind of in anticipation of this episode. And I have to say, like, thankfully, I don't think I've ever truly been burnt out. It'd be interesting to hear your guys' perspective on like what. Wait, I'm like, I'm like shocked right now. I feel like I have 100% experienced burnout. Have you, Maddie? I don't think I have because I, I don't know. I, I feel like, you the know, way, I feel like, you I know, I think it's the way it. that I define burnout. Like, I don't really know. Like, what would you define burnout as? Cause I think I have definitely had like stress, like, yeah, total, I would say like, like stress in my everyday work life, but I feel like burnout is more so when you like start, I mean, maybe I did in my last job. Like it's really <laughs> when you start hating your job, I feel like, and you just don't want to do it anymore. In my experience, it was like stresses, I'm on edge and like, I'm maybe like uncomfortable. I have anxiety, like, however that affects you personally, I think everyone knows, or like, I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm so worried about work. Like I'm constantly thinking about it. Burnout for me was I am having a meltdown. Like I am exhausted. I don't give a fuck anymore. Like Yes. I, I, I'm dreading logging onto my email. Like I want to give up at this like task, which is work. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what I, and I hit that in like December and I just completely had a meltdown and I knew that I had like fully gone into burnout mode. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like maybe I have because I I don't know when I thought of burnout, I'm kind of like, oh, you're working like so much, like you're working on the weekends and stuff. And like, I wasn't, but I was like thinking about work on the weekends and like dreading going in on Monday because it was just like, it had just taken so much out of me. In consulting. And this is such a, I can realize such a warped mindset to have, but all, all I know is just consulting from, or to finish my like about me blurb (laughs) Spalding Ridge is technically a startup (laughs) consulting firm so like we're really putting this together as it's going and that has also come with its own challenges like it would be different I feel like if I was at the big three and yeah life was difficult but there was like a set trajectory like you're gonna listen you gotta go through it and then you get to this that and like whatever like investment banking type grind but with Spalding there were so many opportunities to take on more work that it was like and it felt very meaningful like it is a startup everything we were doing was like directly benefiting and still is um my coworkers. I think one of our goals is to reach around 500 people in our firm and when I started I think we had less than two like it's insane so the like opportunity there to help like lead those people is just it is everything I feel like I've been looking for. I've always been like that, like 
leadership in high school type of person or just genuinely wants to like get involved and like make a difference. But at the same time, in traditional consulting, I've learned, or this is just again my experience. I hope no one like comes from me for speculating this, but to me, stories of burnout are people being like hospitalized, like taking months off of work and like the most extremes to the point where it's funny that you say like when you felt burnout, it was when you didn't want to go to work anymore. I feel like burnout to me is like meaningless work. Like you dreaded mm. it before. My dad raised us to say like, if you on Sunday night, like dread the next week, like you should get a different job. Like that's mm-hmm. not worth it to feel yeah. like it's like your cortisol levels can never straighten out when you're in that time of like complete burnout and like how unhealthy, like I can only imagine to be in that state of stress for so long, but like it's when you compare, like if that was my baseline of like, well, I'm not in the hospital yet. Like that's also yeah. very twisted and like inhumane. So Yeah, yeah, I feel like it is different to everyone, but at the core, it's like you lost your like meaning in your work. Yeah, you have no more drive to continue. You're done. Yeah, because that could be also like a huge sign, like an incredible opportunity to be like, wow, I'm really burnt out. What else is out there like that? I that could give me more drive and like purpose. So yeah, exactly. It's an indicator that you should start looking for something new. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is exactly what I did. Definitely. But at the same time, like knowing that in my company, that a lot of the people that I really look up to and like my mentors are just have that as their like disposition, because that was the the times that not that they were raised in, but like, you know what I'm talking about, it's just their experience. Mm -hmm. So being kind of the next generation of like tech consulting, if you will, or our pipeline of, um, like employees as we do a lot of college recruiting and like it is hard to learn how to implement um so some of our technologies include like DocuSign and Salesforce and Anaplan and that is not a walk in the park like to kind of pick that up after school and have to work against like project schedules and client expectations and a lot of the times they might know more about what you're building than you do but you still have to like serve and just persevere even like despite all of it that kind of like mental toll it took really does like make me look at burnout and say this is and will continue to be a very difficult job like what are the boundaries I'm willing to set to keep up with like my peers who really are trying to like accelerate as quickly as they can in their career and also kind of thinking like this is definitely a sprint. When do I want to stop? And like, what does stopping look like or a pivot or whatever that next jump might be? Um, But I think just the mindfulness of always taking maybe every like quarter of the year and saying like, all right, we're sure this is what we want to do. Like, yes, let's keep going. Maybe like set a new goal for the next one. And you can just keep like taking that kind of reflection. And I feel like that's one of the best ways or things I'm trying to equip myself with to hopefully never reach that point of like regret. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like so many people, especially in tech, like sprints are actually like very common. Like we'll have a sprint for X amount of time. And this is what we're accomplishing during this sprint. And at the end of it, like we take time off, whether it be like at our team specifically, like there will be a two week sprint and then you'll have like a rest period for, I think like two days or something, which is like, I don't know how, good that is, but it's like the idea of working your ass off for a period of time to get 
a specific goal completed and then acknowledging congrats, you did it. This is what's next. And so like placing those like movements, um, together, I think obviously works well or else companies wouldn't do it, but it's interesting that you like have that perspective for your life. You know what I mean? Like for your career, you have like sprints in your head of this is going to be a difficult period. This is what I want to accomplish, but that's when I know I'll be done and like reflect on it. Yeah. I think having that mindset ahead of time can definitely help mitigate burnout, but I've never heard of like sprints. So you guys have like, that's so interesting. I mean, I guess I'm not in the startup world, so we don't really have to do that, but is that like, you're working like constantly like on the weekends and everything until this is completed or like, what is a sprint? I think from my perspective, our, a sprint is the timeline of when you're going to get these things accomplished from like a work goal perspective. Like, I think it's used in tech most often. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard of it. (laughs) Um, and at least in my experience at a startup, you work until you get your tasks done and it doesn't really matter to anyone how long that takes you. Like, like there is, there isn't like a structured day. It's if you get everything you need to get done in time, sure. My manager doesn't give a shit if I log off at three, if I did everything I needed to do, that never happens, but like, (laughs) it's more so like, here are the things you have to get done this year, this quarter, like this week, and you need to work until they get completed within like a reasonable amount of amount of time, I think. Mm-hmm. In my experience, we work on like project implementation schedules. So you have like a kickoff, we do design discovery, you learn like what are the requirements of this issue we're here to solve. You figure out a plan of how to cut that issue up into smaller pieces. And those are essentially the sprints. And it Jordan, so that's a, Jordan nailed it. That's about the structure of the project. Everyone's familiar with the project plan. You all know the goals of the sprints, but your sprint could be anywhere from two weeks to I'm in one right now that's pushing like eight or nine weeks. So to have eight or nine weeks of, you know, what you need to have done on week nine, but other than that, it is completely up to you to see that through, to solve the issues that come up during that sprint to communicate like with team members and your client and hit all of these other requirements so that everyone else knows that you're also on track. It's a very interesting balance of adults trying to make sure like, Hey, you're not bullshitting me, right? Like you actually are like this point in your project. It takes a lot of trust and a lot of like just mental awareness of like, okay, not only are you working together on this like very intense topic of focus day in and day out and you have to stay on good terms with everyone because these are your teammates and then also yeah just manage your own work at the same time and make sure you're all moving towards the same goal it's crazy I Jordan it's interesting that you guys have set kind of breaks in between I think ours is a little like less formal it's just like you kind of we talk about the ebbs and flows of just project work so like you know when you get to chill for maybe a couple of days because you got caught up or you're ahead. But other than that, it's just a completely up to you, which I really struggled with at first. Like, yeah. it's a no, lot. that's it, hard. That's a lot of like, like you need to be very organized and be able to like really prioritize. Yeah. Disciplined. That's so true. And it can probably get really hard and I'm going to steal one of Jordan's questions, but like, I feel <laughs> like this just fits perfectly here. Like, because I feel like in one of those sprints, it could get I mean, messy, like you could maybe 
not really separate work from life and really kind of just overwork yourself. So do you, do you kind of try and keep that work and personal life separate? And how do you do that? If so? Yeah, this is still a work in progress. Like I thought, or it's funny, the second that the world shut down in 2020, although it was a very scary time for everyone, I was lucky enough to be a little relieved because I had been traveling so much to a client site, just living out of a suitcase, like really pushing the limit of what I could kind of handle adulting wise at the time. I was 22, 23, um, had some dogs back in Texas. Like I, it was just tough. And so, yeah, I was really excited to kind of get to take a break. And I thought, man, my morning routine or just my day is going to be so on lock here once I can just catch my breath. And it is 2021 and I still do not have a good like morning routine. Like (laughs) it is a tough, a work in balance or a work in progress. But again, that's because the nature of project work, like I have no idea what to expect. I don't know if a sprint is going to be deceivingly easy or incredibly hard. And so that lack of structure, just you have to adapt to whatever's kind of the the best interest of your client, honestly, at the same time, because this would be a different conversation. I think of just the level of stress, if it was an internal project and you're serving like one company and you're on the same team of this XYZ corporation, but when you're serving a client and they're expecting a level of effort from you and just to make sure that you're, or they're your number one priority when you might have a couple clients that expect that. It's, yeah, just this huge challenge. But at the same time, I'm lucky that I don't have kids right now, that my biggest worry are my two Australian shepherds. Like that is a huge privilege to have. And so part of me has kind of accepted that this point in my life is worth being so uncomfortable every day in and out at work to hopefully be just a more confident person at the end of it, because you can really get pushed around when you're talking to anywhere from like 10 to 20 people working together during the week. And when they're all adults or even like the different generations would be interesting to get into. They, they expect you to operate in the same way that they do. So you're constantly adjusting the way you talk or win people over or just connect with them on a personal level over zoom. It can be very interesting. I actually built a great relationship with one of my clients who he was this like older gentleman when he took a sip of his coffee, his cup said, ew, David, like from Schitt's Creek. And I was like, no way. And his name was David. So it was just like funny. Like you could tell he got it as a gift, but he thought like the fact that I thought that that was funny was just like completely, we had a great relationship from there on out. Like it was like personally and like from a business sense, because we just got to connect and then it kind of just opened the doors for you to trust each other a little bit more. Yeah. No, that's awesome. It is definitely hard to connect with people during this time. Like it's just strange. Like I started a new job during COVID and I've been remote. So it's been just like hard, like you said, like to connect with people, but yeah, I do. I do agree. It's kind of hard navigating this time in life and like separating work from life, because as you said too, like, we're kind of at a time in our life where people it's like a competition. It can feel like it sometimes like people in our lives are or not in our lives, but people at work or that are at the same level as us are really trying to give it their all and get that promotion, get that raise, like just 
grind, if you will. <laughs> oh, the grind culture. Oh, the grind culture, which I hate it, but that I feel like is a pressure at our age, to be honest. 100%. I feel like it definitely is. And the results focused or even like a hyper focused area like a startup when every dollar counts and every metric is something that could be improved when you're working under that type of pressure it is like a whole different ball game but at the same time just like a an interesting experience yeah it, it's it, it does add stress to it because like at least at my company like financials is something that they're very open with about internally and so they'll talk to us straight up this is how much money we made this month and this is how much our goal is and we need to do this and it's and it's like being talked about with everyone like people who work in our dev team who literally have nothing to do with a client facing anything are on these calls because it's like we're a very small i mean there's like 50 of us in total at this company so like every single person's like ounce of effort genuinely makes a really big difference. Whereas like, for example, Caleb's experience working for a large international bank, like if he left tomorrow, it really wouldn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and, and it can bring you a sense of relief. And I know a lot of people who like working at corporate companies because it gives you a sense of like, yeah, you know, I'm doing something for this company. I'm working, I'm getting my paycheck. I'm learning for myself. But if I needed to leave at any point, I could, and I wouldn't feel like personally obligated to stay. And I think startup culture specifically adds to that stress because literally people will tell you like, you are one of 50, like you are doing X, Y, and Z that is literally making our company like 5% of its revenue for this whole year, because there's so few of you. So it adds to like this pressure of like, fuck, I need to show up every single day and I need to grind because... I am one of 50 instead of one in 10,000. And like, if I screw up, maybe that would impact the company more than, you know, it would in a different like environment. So I feel like that definitely adds to it. One of my coworkers took two weeks off for his like wedding and honeymoon and just all of that. And it was last year. So we had significantly just less, um, like you said, amount of people supporting our uh, utilization, which is essentially just like the, hours of billable work that we have over the available hours in a week. Um, So him taking two weeks off, I remember it was just, it wasn't anything that like, thankfully we were large enough that it was just noteworthy that it impacted our financials, not like detrimental or anything like that. But it was very interesting to think, wow, if I was out of commission for a, a couple months, it would really hurt the team. But then again, at the same time, like you're completely right. It's, just a job. And I think that's the most <laughs> important thing when it comes to your general mindset about work-life balance is that, am I doing this job for the right reasons? And does this give me the amount of time in my life to enjoy my actual life? Because that's, I think, the balance part that, yes, you can like allocate different time in your day to have a, a good split or percent <laughs> allocated to your work and your life. But if it, if your lifetime doesn't feel meaningful because you're so drained by work, that job was never worth it. And I feel like collectively as a nation, maybe we're starting to realize that just with people refusing to go back to jobs with bad 
work environments. And it's, I think, really powerful that our generation is the generation to say, hey, this is not how I think we deserve to be treated. Therefore, I'm not going to yeah. take it. And oh my God, you guys. I like, So this, this guy at my company recently left. Um, he was a very like pivotal piece of this company. Like I would say top 10 most important people um, at my company. And he recently left. And he's young. I think he's a couple years older than we are. Um, and he decided to leave to take time off and to travel. He'd been working at the company for like four years. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like a, a quick dip that he left. Like he had put in a lot of time and effort and energy and he wanted to just take time off. So he, he put in his notice. He gave plenty of notice, very respectable guy. And on the last day of his <laughs> um, like work at my company, we had like a going away call and our CTO actually said like, um, I know your generation doesn't really like to work. And, and what I didn't say anything, but I was like, no, like our, our generation just works done putting up with bullshit. (laughs) Just hearing like older generations, like talk about ours as if we don't want to work really drives me insane because we are so overworked. We're just like trying to like get our companies to acknowledge and accept that we have lives and like it's not okay to abuse our time and energy. Our generation is critical to retaining employees at the company. As the like oldest child in my family, I am constantly the negotiator between my youngest sister and my parents because they truly cannot see eye to eye. It is the same way when I am on a, a project with people who are generally my age range, maybe a little bit older, but just feel any sort of like resentment or disconnect from leadership to have that one like empathetic millennial say, Hey, you guys, like, I'm sure X, Y, Z, whoever we're having an issue with right now, is just like either going through it or is also spread too thin. Like who knows what they're up to, like trying to just be that connector between people without us that just like transpires into bad culture. If, if things go unaddressed and conversations that lead to change don't happen and to be brave enough to just try to spark one of those conversations that could mean the difference to your company is what kind of keeps me at least at Spalding Ridge, even though it's a very difficult work-life balance is it, you do feel like you can have an impact. And I think that's one of the things that can help avoid burnout altogether is just feeling like you're really having purpose-driven work. Yeah. All right. I think we should go through like tips or advice we have for people who are experiencing a lot of stress or are worried that they're like on the verge of burnout. Do you want to start Maddie? Yeah. I don't know. Like sometimes we're just in work and we're just kind of, we kind of blinders on and we're just so focused on one thing, but I think when you take a step back, like I've had to do this, like take a step back and just really think like I'm selling, like we're selling makeup. Like that is what my job is. So it's like, it's not life or death. And sometimes like you can truly feel like it is. And like people can make it seem like it is like, you'll get urgent emails for requests and things like that. And I'm just like, it is not life or death. And you guys are making it really hard for me to like be sane in my job and like not be stressed. Um, but stress is inevitable. And I think when you're reaching burnout and you're kind of getting to the point where you really feel like you just don't 
like what you do, I think taking a break is essential. So whether that be learning how to turn off during, like during the evening at six, log off, turn off your computer, don't, don't look at your emails or whether you need to take it a step further and take some time off and like literally unplug, go on a vacation. Like just, I think that honestly for me is something that helps. Um, but curious to know what, what you guys think. I think like what you said about the level of stress you feel is so important to shift your mindset on, because I also felt that way when I started working, I felt like every little thing was the end of the world. Like, Oh my God, this is so important. This guy is emailing me and he's very high up and I need to respond right away. And like, like you said, like I I work at a tech startup, like I don't work at a hospital. There's no one dying on the table. Like literally it's okay. If I don't respond to an email, you know, like our straight up, like you have to admit to yourself, like the work we're doing, yes, is valuable. And, and it helps us in our self-reflection and and it helps us like grow as people. And we learn a lot and maybe we're doing good things for society. I don't know how you guys feel about your work, but all of that set aside, like nothing we do is actually an emergency or is going to like impact someone's life so heavily that like they're in any way physically like harmed. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and having, it sounds silly to like say it out loud, but it's true. When you start working, you're so wrapped up in it sometimes. And I get this way. And sometimes like Caleb will literally be like, let's go. Like, we need to leave the apartment. We need to go for a walk. Like you need to step away. Cause I get so wrapped up and worked up in the work that I'm doing that. It's like this to me in my head right now is it like I have mm-hmm. blinders, blinders. On, focused I, on this yeah. and nothing else matters, but it's like, holy shit, Jordan. <laughs> take a step back. Everything's okay. Yes, it is. You're trying to survive your way through it and get your head down. I, every time I go into that mode, I eat less. I take care of myself less. I, even though I probably could fit in a workout or something to help, I assume I should be getting more work done instead, that that will put me in a better position than taking a break and moving my body might. You're completely jaded by those blinders. And to me, that looked like learning the difference between what is urgent and what is important, especially when, like you said, everything feels like both to have to make that urgent versus important decision a hundred times a day. Every time you open your email, is this urgent from that person's perspective or is this genuinely important to me and my goals that I have set for today? Because I think what we lose sight of having grown up with instant messaging and having Slack or Teams or whatever your communication app at work is, you don't owe anyone an answer like within a business day or that's like that used to be the general rule when everyone was operating when you could get on your clunky computer and answer your emails and that was your email time. Now my email time is anytime I get an email on my phone and I think learning to disable those apps, like to just take them off my phone. When I work from home, what's the point? I never leave my home anyways. I don't need that shit on my phone too. Like (laughs) to set those boundaries that you're like, Oh, like, yeah, I don't need to be that available to my team. I'll get on my computer and do my due diligence. But when I shut my computer, I think that was the thing that felt really bold at the time as a new hire or just a young professional was to say like I'm going to take my time back a little bit and I'm sorry if I don't get back to you within your expectation of time but 
this is just a job <laughs> unless yeah. unless you work for That's hospital like, it is life and death. unless you're an ER surgeon yes then mm-hmm. then you need to get your ass in line but <laughs> I think like there's actually a really good TED talk about this and it's like the idea of learning how to triage and and knowing what is an emergency what is urgent and what is like something you need to get done in a timely manner. And like being able to make that distinction literally changes how you work and how you function like throughout your life, because you learn how to make the decision of this is urgent and this can wait till tomorrow. Like there's no way in hell I need to do this right now because it's clearly not that much of a priority. And you have to be able to make that distinction or else everything is going to keep you, like you said, in survival mode. Like everything that comes in is going to make you feel like you have to do it now if you aren't able to like make that distinction. Having the bravery to say, no, I'm working towards kind of something else that is in my best interest while like keeping in mind, like, yes, you have to, especially at a startup, contribute your time to others and help build the company around you. But having the ownership to decide what is the best use of your time and your unique skills that you bring to the company shows a lot about you. And I received like feedback from some of my coworkers who have said, Hey, that was cool of you that, or how you explained kind of why you couldn't help that team. Cause I'll get thrown in just like group chats with the entire team that's on fire. And they're like, Hey, we need you like right now. And like, there are times during this, after all of the sprints, we go into user acceptance testing. So that's really when the, I don't know, for some sort of metaphor, when shit gets real. So when there's a, just this collective understanding that if you're during, you're in that time, you can't really help, but it's easy to say like, Oh, although we are in this tough time and I'm experiencing a difficult time, like, so are they. So like, Oh, I should still mm, help them. Maybe odd. Ah, then you get wrapped up into it. And then you are continue like just overstimulating and spreading yourself so thin, but it's so easy to get wrapped up when you want to just in general, be helpful and contribute to others. Like you just need to get out of your head. I agree. I think sometimes you just think too much about it. Like just log off, <laughs> just log off and you can do it tomorrow. Um, but Jordan, I need to watch that Ted talk. That sounds good. we'll have to link that in the rec. It was so good. Yeah, I will. Okay guys. So knowing what we know now in our experienced life thus far, um, what advice would you give to your younger self dealing with stress and burnout? I think I would tell myself to just overall try to have more compassion towards a situation, making sure that your, your number one priority every day, fundamentally, like to truly live that out, I think is the best way to make sure that you're always keeping in mind your boundaries and your overall health and wellness. And so that kind of small commitment to yourself, I feel like can solve a or lead to more confidence in a number of areas of your life, but especially at work, just gaining confidence in a new profession, being a, a young person in a potentially old or work environment. Um, it takes a lot of like grace. So I would just say to try to not rush the process. And as long as you're like doing your best and genuinely putting forth good effort, there isn't much more that you could or should probably be doing outside of trying to have an equally as meaningful life outside of work. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. I think taking care of yourself is probably what I would say, because I feel like when I'm, you know, like have a morning routine and when I'm working out, when I'm eating right, when I'm like 
taking time during the day to eat. Like sometimes I just don't like, sometimes you just work and you forget to eat lunch. And like, those are days where you just don't feel great. Like I agree with the confidence thing. Like I feel like when I'm taking care of myself, I'm more confident in my job. I can do my job better. So it's really just taking that time and like making sure your mental health is okay, because ultimately it's going to benefit your company. It's really not going to benefit them if you're just working like crazy and not productive. Um, so I think taking care of yourself is key. Yeah, I agree. I think Meg, what you said about like, like putting, um, yourself like first in a way and kind of knowing what your priorities are. And if you do like a genuinely good job and you're actually working towards something like you're okay, you know, like like you're putting in a hard day's work, like you're, you're doing it. And if you're genuinely like trying and working towards something and you still feel like really, really stressed and on the verge of burnout, like it's time to take a step back and reevaluate priorities. Because if you're like, there's plenty of people that show up to work and don't do shit and get paid and collect money and go home. And that's their prerogative. But like, if you are actually putting in the work and you're trying and you're really like making an effort to better yourself at your job and you're feeling stressed and burnout, like that's not on you, babe. Like you, you're doing it. So you need to step back and, and chill because that's all, I don't know. Like, that's just what I think. I think we, too many of us are really like hard workers and we give a fuck and we're smart and we're putting the effort out there. And if we all collectively feel this way, like that's a societal problem that we should all kind of address. (laughs) And hopefully we did a little bit of that during this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would just tell myself if I'm working my ass off, like that's all you need to be proud of. Like you're doing a good job if you're feeling good about the work you're doing. So fuck everyone else. All right. Well guys, well, that is a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much, Meg, for joining us. We're so happy to have you as our first guest. (laughs) So much for having me. It's been seriously so fun. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for listening and we will be back next week with another episode.